1: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael, the director of Leadership Bloomington-Monroe County. And today we're going to talk about Arts Week and about the arts uh, in general here in Monroe County and Bloomington. Um, joining us in the studio are three guests. We have Sherry Schwant with us, who's from the IU Office of the Vice Provost for Research, and she's been um, really sort of at the core of Arts Week. She's sort of heading up that effort, and so she'll be talking a lot to us about that. Uh, And we have two artists with us today, Monica Herzig, who is a faculty member of the Jacobs School of Music, and Beth lodge Regal, who's been a musician around here for a long time and an artist around here for a long time. Both have been awarded funding and will be uh, doing projects during Arts Week. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 812 That's the local calling, calling number. Or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join us on the website, wfiu.org slash noonedition. Got through all that, all that information. Well, thanks for being here. Arts Week started yesterday, right, Sherry? I'm
0: surprised you know you look bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I thought you'd have come in with big bags under your eyes. This is a lot of work. There's a lot that goes into this week. (laughs) Week, I say, with parentheses, because.
2: It's uh, it's more than a week, That's right. Right. 11 days. 11 days. (laughs) It's
0: it's a Baker's Dozen week kind of a deal. So
1: take us back to the beginning. I think it was 1984? Yes. Beginning of Arts Week?
2: The beginning of Arts
1: Week. It's changed a lot.
2: It has. It's (laughs) evolved and morphed over those uh, 26 years, and we are in our 27th year. Um, But Fran Snig, a former um, IU faculty member in kinesiology, choreographer and dancer, uh, started Arts Week in 1984, and she started it with her colleague Anya Peterson-Royce, who was then the Dean of the Faculties. And at that time, it was just a weekend, and they formed the IU Bloomington Arts Coordinating Council. And that council um, decided that it was important for the arts to be celebrated in a very collaborative way. And so right from the get-go, their vision was um, that the arts not only on the Bloomington campus but in the community find a place, uh, and that was Arts Week. So from 84 to around 1997, it continued to be an Arts Weekend. Um, Unfortunately, Franz Snig passed away in um, 1998, and at that time, or 96, and in 98, Peter Burkholder took it over, and that's when the Community Council, Arts Council, decided that it would become a 10-day arts festival. And at that time, it was in the fall, and it uh, it was wrapped up with uh, the Lotus Festival, so um, I don't remember those days, but um, from our historical records, that's how Arts Week continued to evolve. And then in the early 2000s, Mike Wilkerson was leading the charge for Arts Week, and it continued to be 10 days. Um, and then I was working alongside Mike in 2006. And then in oh seven is when I took it over as um, sort of the head of the Arts Community Council. Along with a whole lots of folks who have helped along the way.
1: So how would you sort of crystallize the mission of Arts Week for people that are not that familiar with it?
2: Uh, I would crystallize it as it was crystallized 26 years ago. And that is how can we celebrate the arts? And we celebrate the arts every day. I mean, there is something going on in Bloomington every day. Um, And we have so much for which to be grateful because of the offerings. Mm -hmm. Um, And this uh, was really a mission to uh, demonstrate the collaborative nature of the arts between campus artists and humanists, as well as community artists. And I think that's just grown and developed over the years, and I think it's culminated – um, it 's not over, but with this year 's arts teach because we 've brought in yet another audience, and that is K through twelve teachers and students and it 's the first time that we have offered um, funding to teachers and have made a point. Of bringing them into Arts Week, and it has been extraordinary. We've doubled our we doubled the proposal submission. Um, on average, we might have between twenty and twenty five proposals every year for funding, and this year we had forty. So, how does
0: that work exactly?
2: Um, we have a funding review process, and every July we put out a call for proposals. And um, we receive proposals sometime in end of July. We review those proposals, and then we have an allotment of money that we divide up, and we try to make it pretty equitable between um, the campus and the community. Now, this year, the criteria was you had to combine your project with students, with schools. Um, with K through 12 students. So that was the criteria that was, um, first and foremost in projects receiving funding.
0: So do you have visiting artists who are going out, um, to, to schools or musical performances or tell me that's kind of what I'm getting at, the nuts and bolts of it. All of it.
2: I mean, from exhibits to musical performances to writing workshops, which Beth, uh, will explain later. Um, with her uh, workshop that's going to be taking place tomorrow, followed by an exhibit, um, with Monica's performances with Fairview Elementary and Child's uh, Elementary School. Uh, We've got dancing workshops going on. We've got theater workshops. We have um, uh, the IU Art Museum putting on a family arts weekend. Mm, And what's so lovely about it is that it's uh, also capturing not only um, artistic disciplines, but also other disciplines as well, the sciences, uh, math. We have Math at Your Feet with Templeton Elementary, and they're going to use uh, math processes to develop dance steps. So um, there are a wide variety of artistic Creations going on over the next eleven days, and I hope people just go to the website, check it out, and uh, have fun with it. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow!
1: Uh, our phone number. Let me give our phone numbers in a couple. I've got a couple avenues I want to try to go down. Eight five five zero eight one one is the local number. Eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. The uh, website WFIU.org slash noon edition. If you want to talk to folks about Arts Week, um, the yeah the the whole idea of arts teach, which is sort of the theme of this year i want to get I want to just bring that up and get back to that in a minute because I want Beth and Monica to sort of describe what their projects are, and we might as well start with Beth since yours is tomorrow
4: right? it is tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, the proposal that we made and that was accepted uh was to do a collaboration with community visual artists um, to set up an exhibit a gallery exhibit downtown and then bring in a group of school aged girls mostly because the work that I do is with women writing for a change and young women writing for a change um, bring kids into that gallery space which is as we speak being installed right now I had to run over here from the installation of that but um, We'll bring a bunch of kids into that space tomorrow and facilitate some interaction with that art. And um, it's just it's, a, it's an age-old process of, you know, one art form interacting with another. Um, and so throughout the day, we'll offer exercises and... Um, activities to do that bring them into connection with these various works of art. Mm-hmm. And they'll be writing through the day. And then at the end of the day, um, we'll have a reading and a reception. So some of those young people will be, they'll all be invited. They may not all feel courageous about sharing, but they'll all be invited to read some of that work and some of the artists are actually going to be there tomorrow as well to talk about their process as artists, where the images came from on their on the paintings and so it's this big um, cross-pollination effort between those two Forms. And where,
1: where are you going to be? Where
4: We're going to be, be right? down at the Lodge, which mm. is that space right above Subway at the corner of 6th and mm. Walnut. It's a, big it's a open, perfect space big for open that. Space. It's a yeah, great space. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I, I want to digress a minute and just ask you about you know, your your background, your history in the arts, because you've got, you've, you're sort of multifaceted about various art forms that you've been involved with and interests. I mean, you're interested in a lot of arts. Yeah, and, yes. and I want to sort of, I mean, talk about um, – how you develop that? I mean, this this project of bringing school kids in, basically, and exposing them to various forms of art. I mean, I doubt that you had that opportunity when you were.
4: Well, you know, you know in what? School, or did you? I actually have a story. It okay. just came to me. I mean, because <laughs> I, I was thinking about this. Yeah. I totally took for granted that everybody does this kind of thing mm-hmm. you know as as a writer you either go outside and look at the clouds and get inspired by you know nature or, um, or if you see something striking or beautiful you might have some creative impulse to respond to it that's just kind of what my mm-hmm. experience in life has been and I remembered that as a very young girl pre I, you know literate um I would look at my mother's art history books from college and I would sit on my stomach on the middle of this rug in our room and I would go through and look at these paintings and try to make up stories um, mm. to what those paintings were, were about. Um, and that's, that's a kind of primal memory of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, And I would spend afternoon hours doing stuff like that. And I know I'm not alone in that. (laughs) Children do this. We engage, you know, in, in the things that we see and experience. So... I guess that's, I yeah. mean, so that has always been part of my life. Then I also had parents who, like, got me in my musical instruction yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. I went through all of that. And mm-hmm. arts were huge in my life as I was growing up. Well, um,
1: I, yeah, I, I think I was asking the question just from the standpoint of, you know, we there's a, a week devoted, 11 days devoted to arts. And, and this year, it's so, uh, so geared toward getting school kids involved. And, and we know, we always talk about the pressures between, you know, do you teach them English and... And mathematics, or do you teach them art and literature, or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I just want to sort of get to that issue and get it on the table. Bob, sure. I,
2: yeah, it brings to mind uh, what we've been thinking about philosophically about this theme for quite some time, and it, and uh, coinciding with involving K through 12 students, what we, the message that we've been trying to send is that creativity is important in all disciplines. Mm
0: -hmm. That it works
2: itself out. Innovation,
0: creativity Mm -hmm. and innovation go hand in hand. That's right. Mm
2: -hmm. And so why this Arts Week is so um, important is that we're going to see that demonstrated in creative writing. We're going to see that demonstrated in the sciences, in, in mathematics. And that's the beauty of creativity. And we don't want our young people... To um, We don't want to fail them. And uh, giving them the opportunity to express their um, creativity in so many ways. And I was saying to Beth before you um, arrived that, you know, when I was a young girl, I wrote a lot. But I didn't have the outlet except for a journal and a piece mm-hmm. of paper and my best friend. And we would just read read aloud to each other. And now Beth is offering to 30 young girls tomorrow, the opportunity to hear their voice, to hear it out loud, to interact with um, creative pieces, and that is remarkable to me. Um, Not all of us had that opportunity, so.
1: Okay. Monica, I want to allow you the opportunity to talk for a little bit about your project. The How jazz... much time
3: do you have? <laughs> <laughs> we
1: will have to take a break in about ten minutes. Yeah, ten minutes. <laughs> that, that,
3: that might. Do the it. jazz
1: legacy of Indiana.
3: Yeah, there are several things actually. Since you just talked about creativity, uh-huh. um, I'm I'm finishing up a eight week course right now on creative thinking, and I'm using the jazz as a mo- jazz combo as a model for a group setting where you have creative thinking going on since 100 years that mm. translates to anything in business and management. So we've been exploring that over the last eight weeks. And that whole class is involved in the project, too. So yeah. we're so what I did last fall, I think what I did, I planted a little seed, and it's become a huge jungle now. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> and I had no idea it would grow that big, but it was amazing. So my little seed was thinking... Um, you know, we we live in Indiana. We have a great jazz legacy, and I just finished a book on David Baker this summer. It's going to be out later this year. So I got to interview all these wonderful people. We've been talking. Obviously, I spent the whole summer writing about him, learning the history of Indiana Avenue and everything else, and Mm -hmm. being a jazz musician myself, you know, I know how this works. So I thought, you know, we have these wonderful people, and when I go tour places and they say, So where do you live? And I go in Indiana and they go, Hmm, okay, interesting. <laughs> Why do you yeah. not live in New York or mm-hmm. somewhere else? And and even, you know, talking to people in Indiana some there's this hesitance, well, you know, we just kind of are from Indiana. And You know, it's actually something to be proud of. I mean, nobody should be ashamed because there's a really rich history. Mm. Indiana Avenue used to be the crossroads, and all the touring bands came through there and stopped on Indiana Avenue. There's The the first um, recording studio for jazz was in Richmond, Indiana, where everybody went in the Jeanette Studios. You know, Hoagy Carmichael went there. Louis Armstrong came down from Chicago. The first recordings were made there, so there's a really rich legacy. Mm -hmm. So when the theme came up, teach, arts teach, I thought, you know, I I need to pass on what I just learned from Mm -hmm. writing and all these interviews about some great people that we have in Indiana. And not just that, you know, talking about crossover again, a lot of these people have a very socially significant history you know, for one one of the—so let me summarize the project before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the project was um, going into two elementary schools, Fairview Elementary and University Elementary. For each school, we taught a series of five lessons on Indiana Jazz Legacy people. Um, it's mostly the fifth graders. A few sixth graders got involved because of the double classrooms. And obviously, I have a fifth grade in university school, so there was <laughs> some <laughs> motivation. <laughs> and um, they learned about these after the lessons. So we usually brought a band in. I told them stories about them. After the lesson, they wrote lyric reflections in terms of blues. You lyrics. brought a
0: band in and that performed for the children? Each time, that's very Each cool. I think you just kind of glossed over that. That's a big deal. I mean, it was that was a huge yeah. deal,
3: and I can tell you in a second why we needed to have those mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> And and so they wrote lyrics, poems. I took, I picked several of those. We created songs out of that. When we came in, we started to learn how to improvise too, and some of the chords. And the music teacher's been working with them. And I came back a few times for coaching. So by now, they've worked up some of their own songs that they wrote lyrics for. We'll add some. And so next week on Thursday at six at Fairview Elementary. Um, We'll have this huge performance with 15 ORF instruments, 15 keyboards. A lot of the kids are bringing in their saxophones and trumpets and violins and whatever else they have. And the band will perform the songs. I'm still thinking about how to direct traffic. (laughs) There'll be a um, PowerPoint with, you know, the people that we learned about, info. Afterwards, there's a reception and David Williams, who is a historian from Indianapolis, who has collected a lot of the Indiana Avenue memorabilia. He'll come down and show old sheet music and recordings, and there'll be cookies. And (laughs) And so, and uh, talking about the jungle. So originally, I thought, okay, we want these lessons. We want people to be proud of. Well, we need to share this too. So how about if we get everything videotaped, make sure each lesson gets videotaped, the materials, you know, it's easy to put things online. How about if we get the videotapes and the materials afterwards online, and anybody who wanted to teach and do the same thing could have access to it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that all costs a lot of money, (laughs) and bringing a band in every time, too, so... Arts Week was very generous, but that was only a little seed money <laughs> to get that all going. Right, right. And, but it was interesting. I, we, we really very quickly got a lot more supporters. Um, there's a group in town, the Life Cycle Project, who looks on sustainability. They funded all the video recordings. Um, obviously have good relations to jazz from Bloomington, so they added some funding from a Smithville phone company fund on jazz in the schools on some of the lessons. Um, The musicians' union jumped in, and they're going to pay at least half of all the musicians' fees, because they thought, even though they don't have much funds anymore, they thought it's a worthwhile project. And Jamie Ebersholt generously gave some more, so... I think I think we can make it work. I don't have all the bills paid, <laughs> but I think yeah. we can make it work. So, and for the last lesson, since we were talking about David Baker, I think I should mention who the people were that we picked. So obviously we started historically at the beginning, Hokey Carmichael being from Bloomington, we looked at the places, realized, wow, we walked all by this plaque on, on Indiana Avenue at the Gables, mm-hmm. and they knew where the statue was behind the auditorium, mm-hmm. And so I think their favorite story was Hoagy Carmichael knocking at the door at the book nook at three o'clock in the morning because he had to get stardust out of his head. <laughs> so they wrote a song called Knocking Down at Three. And knocking. Louie, let me in with a cup of coffee. <laughs> so that's our Hoagy Carmichael song. The next lesson was uh, May Aufterheid, who was a female uh, ragtime composer from Indianapolis. And so the tie into everything else. The social structure is that composing music at that time is not something you would do with a female. And we talked about the women's rights and and introduced several others too. And then we went to the Hampton family from Indianapolis, who was 12 children and a dedicated dad. They all played instruments. And toured in the 20s and 30s, the southern part, so, we talked about segregation and how, you know, what an ordeal and how difficult that probably was before they settled in Indianapolis and the four sisters of the family split off and became the Hampton Sisters and, and performed for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, they loved that and we got, ooh, the Hampton Sisters. <laughs> and um, then we got to West Montgomery, you know, playing guitar. And, uh, you know, there's the famous picture of David Baker with Wes Montgomery standing back to back, which was taken right before they were going to play a concert together by Duncan Sheet. And... The, um, The concert never happened because just during that week was the week when Canyon Ball Adderley saw Wes Montgomery play at a jam session and called Oren Keep News at Riverside Records and said, you have to sign this up. And you never heard anything like this before in your life. And he did. So they never got to play the concert, but we still have the picture of them. But they played many times together. It's Mm -hmm. just that, that one. So we talked about Wes raising a family of six kids again and um, developing this special guitar style because he had to practice at night to not wake anybody up because he had to work as a mailman and Mm -hmm. jobs during the day to raise his family. And Mm -hmm. so that, that was that story. And so the last one was on David Baker, and obviously he was our last living link. And so I said, you know, David, what do you think? You want to come to the schools and Mm -hmm. talk to them? And he said, you know, Monica, this is the best thing that that ever happened. You know, you have to keep that lineage alive. Mm -hmm. Of course I'm coming. And so we got a bus and got Fairview kids over to university and filled up the cafeteria. And he (laughs) he was telling stories about how he got into playing trombone and tuba i think because he could follow the the (laughs) majorettes and it took them a while to get it i mean they all saw that the adults were completely in awe there was something special going on but they didn't quite realize what was so special you know it's all a little foreign to them and at the very end one of the kids asked so what's your favorite musician david said hmm I would have to say it's Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hmm, okay, we heard Quincy Jones kind of before. That name sounds a little familiar. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then we pointed out that well, Quincy Jones was the one who actually uh, produced a thriller album for Michael Jackson. And then they were oh we all know that then they were completely in awe then they got <laughs> it and, uh, Wow,
1: oh it sounds like an amazing project
0: well it's, and how lucky are those kids to have had that opportunity um, I mean they may not get it completely right, right now but right, they will yes, That they is will. what a gift you've given
1: well, we're going to come back uh, after a short break and talk more about Arts Week and about the importance of it and about all the, all the benefits we hope that kids will get out of it uh, but we do have to take a short break you're listening to Noon Edition we'll be right back Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from The Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael from Leadership Bloomington-Monroe County. Today we're talking about Arts Week uh, with three distinguished guests in the studio, Sherry Knight and Schwant, Monica Herzig, and Beth lodge Regal. If you have comments or questions, phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area and you can also go to our website wfiuorg edition and uh join the conversation there. We'd like to hear from some listeners out there about mm-hmm. the arts. I know it's uh the arts are are something certainly in Bloomington that we all you know, I don't know, we appreciate. Some people take for granted. I mean, but it's here every day. Every night, um, sometimes yeah. out in the other 22 counties, perhaps, that WFIU reaches 22, 29, however many counties mm-hmm. they reach. It, it may not be quite as big a part of people's lives. Maybe they have questions about it. So yeah. hope the people phone in. Yeah. All right. Well, before the break, Monica was talking about her project, and Beth talked about her project. And I, and I just wonder, you know, when, you, when you're working with the kids, I mean, what is the, uh, you know, What do you get from it? I mean, what do you you hope that these kids get from working with you? What do you hope their takeaway is from all this Arts Week, these Arts Week projects?
3: Well, you know, working with elementary school, if if you try to remember back probably the most life-changing events where you decided this is my direction, you know, think back. It's probably – Somewhere in elementary school where you discovered something or got inspired about, hmm, you know, I really get excited about this. And it's, it's, you know, I have a music education degree, so <laughs> I, I studied that quite a bit, but it's the formative years where the experiences that you get and see will mm-hmm. form it your, Later decisions, and if for some some reason something gets missed, there was just no music instruction because they cut the job. There was no writing instruction because, <laughs> mm-hmm. then you just missed it, and that's really detrimental. I mean, that's we shouldn't take responsibility for not giving all the opportunities we can get to our next generations. I mean, those will give on the legacy. So. Obviously, what I'm hoping is especially exposing them to a variety of experiences and with jazz, especially since it's such such a personal art form. And, you know, if you improvise and it's such a thing where you give your whole personality and you step out of your comfort zone and. Do something that you didn't think about a moment before, which takes a lot, and, and it's one of the ways to teach that. And you know, moving forward in our creative society, if you don't learn to step out of your comfort zone, you're take probably risks. lost in the yeah. future and take mm-hmm. risks. So, my big hopes is just to plant many more seeds and get that ins- inspiration <laughs> yeah. for, for them to step out. Okay. I ditto so much of what Monica said. Mm-hmm. I, uh,
4: there's something mm-hmm. really amazing when you're working with groups of children. And I've also done artist residency residencies before and big songwriting projects with 50 kids at a time. And another thing that I really notice is kids who are disappearing in the classroom – Sometimes find a spark of something mm-hmm. in this creative interaction, and it's been amazing to see um, children come forward, <laughs> actually rise to the surface in ways that they don't in you know the academic setting. Perhaps mm-hmm. it may just not be their um, their uh, strength, you know, um, reading, writing, whatever. Mm-hmm. But creating environments where it's possible for these other strengths to be noticed, um, the confidence that comes of that, um, urging kids to trust what occurs to them that 's this there 's this inner authority um, possibility there that 's uh, That really comes through any, I think, almost any creative process Mm -hmm. um, if the conditions are set up in a way to make it possible. Um, So I've also interacted with teachers who have said, wow, that kid, I've never heard them contribute to the classroom ever. And suddenly, you know. You finally hit on
0: something that was where their heart was. And there's
4: something, you know, that energetically for me is you know, I'll Mm -hmm. take that any day. It's just, it's a really powerful uh, exchange. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: I was describing um, to
2: Beth and Monica my experience last night going to the Mm -hmm. first Arts Week event at Clear Creek Elementary Mm -hmm. School. Um, And this was led by Bess Lee, and Joe Lee was also a part of it. And Uh, it just struck a chord with me because similar to what Beth has just said, and Monica as well, these students were uh, invited to join um, these leaders from the Miami Nation, um, Native Americans, and they were invited to dance. And you think, boy, you know, and it was packed, 250 people in this auditorium, gym and I'm thinking, how many people are going to get on stage to do this? And the hands were just flying these kids were i mean they couldn't hold them all on the stage so it gave them again a platform to do something that they felt comfortable doing i think you know we're just giving kids through arts teach the opportunity to express themselves in ways that you know maybe they have that opportunity all the time but maybe not and so last night was an example of having yet another opportunity in the course of two hours to be expressive um, in dance. And it was phenomenal to watch. Mm-hmm.
1: It really was. Wow. So, so what, is this, what does a the theme arts teach mean to you? I mean, you, you can sort of look at that term in a lot of different ways. You
2: can. Mm-hmm. And that's what we try to inspire people to do when we put out a call for for proposals. Um, we have been thematic about Arts Week mm-hmm. over the last eight, nine years. and But we have had themes that are very broad in nature, politics, environment, technology, and now arts teach. And we, wanted, we don't want to define it. We want people to be able to um, think through that in their own um, genre and uh, artistic place. Uh, and come up with an idea mm-hmm. that's expressive. We don't want to tell them. And so we have always kept the theme as broad as we can make it. Now, one could say that we have invited Spike Lee to be our one of our signature events because of the fact that— Oh, yeah, that, I forgot about him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking, well, that's a stroke of genius. Yeah. But go ahead, uh, You know,
2: because his arts uh, as a filmmaker, um, as an actor, as a writer— Do teach. Mm -hmm. You know, he pushes conventional wisdom. He pushes um, on the American mind to think about its values and to think about what's really important. And the things that he has produced have predominantly allowed people to be creative in their thinking while also addressing some very realistic societal issues issues. Mm -hmm. and so um, you know he's going to be meeting in the afternoon of the 26th with middle and high school students so not only is he going to be able to give a talk at night um, but he's going to just meet with middle and high school students that afternoon at the John Waldron Arts uh, Center um, to talk about the creative process and to talk about the importance of of being brave I guess Um, how do you get
0: your child an opportunity to be in that audience?
2: Uh, you can just go pick up tickets at the John Waldron uh, Auditorium. Um, there are tickets available. There are about 90 left. There is seating capacity of 170. And we are getting that information out through listservs in, within the schools because, it, again, it is only for middle and high school students.
1: Sorry, Mary Catherine.
0: Oh, no, I'm going to run over Saturday and, night. and get my son in there. What an, I mean, I can't imagine <laughs> right. to be in southern Indiana and to have that opportunity is just yes. mind-boggling. And, and
1: two other points about that. I mean, this brings up the, the commun- how the community pulls together because, of course, the John Waldron Arts Center is now an, is an Ivy Tech facility. Yes. So Ivy Tech is involved. Um, and then the uh, other point I want to make is that the The evening with Spike Lee is sold out, correct? It is. It is sold out. It is. But he's got the second opportunity for middle school kids to see him. Yes. So
2: we're really excited about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the first time, I mean, there are approximately 10 supporting partners for the Spike Lee visit. Uh, And so I'm grateful for that. But for the first time, we've brought on Ivy Tech. And for them, they were so excited to not only – provide support for the event itself financially, but to underwrite the space in the John Waldron mm-hmm. for Spike Lee's talk on that afternoon. And that's significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, these events being free to the public, that's the beauty of Arts Week. We don't want to keep anyone away from enjoying all of the, the wealth of projects. But what I tell people is, you know, every year we we bring in somebody from the outside, but the beauty of Arts Week has always remained with these projects, projects like Beth's, Monica's, and the, the 20 that are offered through these 11 days that are specific to the theme.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that's the true beauty of Arts Week. Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, can you give us just a sense of a few more events? I know you can't read through all of them. Um, and then you said to go to the website, as artsweek.indiana.edu. Mm-hmm. So people can go to that website and find a, a full schedule yes. of, of events.
2: Uh, boy, real quickly, I'm going to Rhino's this afternoon at 3 because um, they have traditionally brought kids in to create murals. And um, they will be unveiling uh, 10 new murals this afternoon, but also Arts Week provided funding for a permanent installation, actually, an infrastructure that will be part of Rhino's, hopefully. After we're gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so kids will always have the opportunity to display these murals um, where people can see them on the street, Mm -hmm. um, but it will be a permanent structure. So that unveilings this afternoon. Um, And tomorrow, the exhibit at the lodge, as Beth has described, at 5 o'clock, that's open to the public. And Sunday, I'll be going to the First Presbyterian Church at um, – at six, I believe, for African music by Alon Barker and Katie Strand
1: it says seven on your website.
2: Seven, thank <laughs> you. Um, but she'll there, be there early. Yes, yes. yes that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but there will be music and instruments, and teachers and students will be able to take home. Instruments from that at the First Presbyterian Church, and they will be in a workshop situation. Um, Lots of interactive opportunities there for kids and for teachers. Um, And then, Bob, I've got to look at my notes because there are so many I mean we've got next week Bloomington High School North Jazz mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. Buffaloes open to the public Mm -hmm. Um, improvisation with Janice Stockhouse
1: Um, developing the melodic improviser yes
2: Natalie Boink (laughs) is leading that charge Mm -hmm. and that should be extremely exciting I mean the North Jazz band is known for its improv but they're taking it to a different level Mm -hmm. to a higher Mm -hmm. level so that's something that uh, is going to be very exciting
1: Mm -hmm. yeah there are plenty of things, and if you go plenty. to the website, you will see the spotlight events uh, down the right side, and there's something for everybody there. No yes. Um, our phone numbers again: eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. The web address: wfiu.org dot slash noon edition. I want to broaden the discussion just a little bit about sort of the uh, you know the, the political realities of today, the economic realities of today, and and where the arts fit into that, and, and how you can persuade people that the arts are every bit as important, if not more important, mm-hmm. than um, mathematics, science, or how they go hand-in-hand with those things. So I just wanted to sort of open up that discussion, because these are difficult times for arts funding and, and arts programs. So,
2: Sherry, mm-hmm. you want it, to It is. Um, and not only are the arts being cut, but we're seeing cuts at every level. But... Um, this past week, the Herald Times ran, or it was last week, a guest column Mm -hmm. by our uh, vice provost for the arts, Ruth Stone. And um, our office helped to develop that. And we did that because of this theme of arts teach. And um, in that guest column, um, Michelle Obama was quoted in a recent speech at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which I think does help Uh, with this debate, but she said, paintings and poetry, music and fashion, design and dialogue, they all define who we are as a people and provide an account of our history for the next generation. Something that Monica has talked about, something that Beth's talked about. And, um, you know, you can't Necessarily, We're not here to convince people, um, but to demonstrate the importance of creativity in the minds of all of us, but particularly in our youth. Um, and it was very interesting, Bob, that you bring up, you know, the disciplines of science and math. We also wrote this column because recently there have been several... Um, uh, professors from various institutions that have talked about this very thing. One in particular that was in a recent science journal, Nature, a professor of biochemistry at Brandeis, recently said, because of the vital role the arts disciplines play in developing minds to think and communicate with depth and precision, we who work in the sciences need to stand up for and alongside of the arts and the humanities. And that to us really encapsulates what we're trying to um, provoke in the minds of people when they think about the arts. It's not just art. Sometimes it's art for art's sake, Mm -hmm. but many times it's arts for generating a whole host of creative solutions to Mm problem-solving, so...
3: Well, learning music, learning to read music, it's learning another language, and it's math. It's like learning a lot of language. And, you know, there's been so many studies over and over shown where engagement in these type of activities turns over and gets people ahead. And just, you know, look at music students' general SAT scores and everything else. I mean, usually they're way far ahead, and it's not – because they spend more time, they spend probably less time because they have to practice all day. But there's our minds, the way they develop, there's only a very small percentage that actually gets stimulated by the general write, read something down, you know, mm-hmm. linear activity. Traditional curriculum approaches, it's It's, yeah. it's actually a, a shockingly small percentage. It's mm-hmm. only in the teens. So meaning... If you do not engage in these other activities, meaning, you know, the process it's so easy to look at well why do we need this painting for this little poem or this piece of music? It's not so much about well it is about the product too, but also about the process. That engagement in the brain and those skills are being learned, which is, you know, close to ninety percent else that we do. Mm-hmm. So if we are so short sighted of Cutting all this funding in these activities, you know we 're making sure that future generations only get up to about ten percent of their potential mm-hmm. and it's just mind boggling to me how everybody could even doubt that yeah. I
0: think a mental health argument can be made too absolutely I,
4: I was just going to say you know everything that Sherry and Monica just said is absolutely true, and there's documentation to prove you know how um, you know our minds are enhanced by artistic engagement. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking about our spirits and our souls mm-hmm. and the health and well-being right. of the culture. If, if this is degraded, um, I feel like there's a lot at stake. And I know a lot of the arts, and I do this in, in my work as well, um, are used as part of a healing um, tool for for many people. So I just – I don't want to leave that part out. I think mm-hmm. that's really so important. So I,
1: I think we're – I think uh, we often break these things down into political debates of an either-or kind of thing. Right. And, and I think this – the discussion – I mean what you guys are saying is how these things work hand-in-hand hand mm-hmm. because they, when when politicians go to spend our money mm-hmm. – <laughs> They do look at what they think are priorities for what people think, you know, how they think it should be spent. And, yes. and I think what, what you've identified is sometimes art, the arts are seen as a lower priority. It's a commodity. It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's not mm-hmm. necessary. It's, so, how, you know, how do you bring that debate uh, or, or just sort of um, broaden the debate so that it, it, you can tell people that here's why it's not just a luxury why the arts are something that everybody needs, could have, could benefit society in a number of different ways.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it's a short-sighted look. You know, if you keep patching up what's wrong with little Band-Aids and, and put all your money in there, you'll keep patching up. But <laughs> in the long run, you want to make sure those things don't even happen, and mm-hmm. this is where the process comes in. So if you, if you fix your long-term problems, you don't have to put your money in all these little Band-Aids. You know,
0: I think art will always exist for... Um, people who have um, resources. My concern is more that it's the people who don't have resources, that's right. and that's why I think this kind of thing is so important. Yes. Um, do you want to speak to that at all? Well,
2: absolutely. Um, we knew going into this theme that one of the reasons why we chose it in the first place was because of the the pending cuts. I mean, mm-hmm. they have been uh, part of our lives since time immemorial uh, that the arts seemed to get cut uh, before anything else and so we knew that it was going to be happening probably locally too mm-hmm. in our uh, elementary middle high schools so we thought in order to try to um, send a message that this is very important to Arts Week um, that that was why we chose it for that this mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Um, you know and Arnie Duncan Secretary of Education uh, in a speech uh, in 2010 mentioned that arts are not a frill mm-hmm. but a necessity in the society and so you know to have that mindset that it's just not an add-on mm-hmm. but it's part of who we are as human beings and it adds it, it is the value of it can not be underestimated
3: mm-hmm. well the old greeks had it you know yeah. your yeah. curriculum was music math yeah. and yeah. sports right
1: i think that i think that the debate gets to be even tougher, though, in, in such a bad economy when
0: there right. are people
1: trying to decide whether they can put food on their table or exactly. pay their health care bill. And right. That, but,
0: you know, something Beth said struck me along mm-hmm. the same lines when you described, you know, spending the afternoon with that book. And, and mm-hmm. I, I did the same thing as a child. And, be, and I was lucky we had a house full of books from which I could choose. And there were interesting magazines that came in the mail. I mean, I remember sitting waiting for life To arrive Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's just so interesting, Mm -hmm. all those photographs and so, you know, really stimulating. And so I think that when the economy is bad and people can't bring those things into their homes necessarily, that's when the public needs to step up and say, yes, we recognize that this is an important part of developing a whole, happy, functional human being. Mm -hmm. And so let us you know, step in, as opposed to, well, we're just going to shut everything down, because then, you know, very limited. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and
1: I, I don't want to be mistaken either. I mean, it's, everybody needs to be fed, but everybody needs to. I mean, there, there has to be some of everything. Right. I mean, how can, we figure out, how can we figure out how to, you know, get all these needs? Um, but there
3: comes the Band-Aid solved. thing again. Yeah. You know, you if mm-hmm. you just keep patching up, I mean, you have mm-hmm. to think long term, too. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of economy, too, you know, actually, recently, there's been a lot of prove that the arts have a huge economic impact okay. too so yeah, it's yeah. not like it's all frills but we have an arts district and there's a reason we have an arts mm-hmm. district because it brings people in and it brings money to Bloomington. right <laughs> right mm-hmm.
1: which is you know that's, this is a, a little bit of an aside but Bloomington is such a a rich um location for artists of all types mm-hmm. and but yet, it is hard to make a living as an artist in Bloomington. Yes. I think. Is it getting easier?
3: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> harder and harder.
1: So, you want to encourage people to buy art, too. How do you
3: become a millionaire as a jazz musician? Uh, I don't know. You start with $2 million. Uh, But I'm found. Very good. Very good. <laughs>
1: I love that. You can be a comedian, too.
3: <laughs> Maybe I should. <laughs> I don't think they make Can't any money able. either. No, yeah. no. Uh, Maybe they get paid better than the jazz uh, yeah. musicians. I mean, that's another
1: one of the, of the age-old dilemmas, though. I mean, a, a community is so proud of its arts and so um, passionate about its arts and so many people who want to create arts, but the being able to do it. On a regular basis, to have art studios available in the downtown area that people can rent for a little bit of money, but do their work and then invite people in to see their work and possibly purchase their work, or yes. people having a venue where they can play their music, and it's it's difficult. And so then you need patrons of the arts that step forward mm-hmm. and help fund it, as well as the government. So, that's right. Yeah, it's just a
3: and that's an old system too. You know, that's always how it worked. It used to be the kings and queens. Yes. You look overseas. You know, I grew obviously up in Germany. The government funds more than ninety percent of all arts activity. There's still no nonprofit activity. It's just not there. I mean, that patronage system—that's an age-old thing. And and however it works out, it should work out. You know, We're trying to find a balance. Yeah. here oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
1: well, that's well, last, we only have a couple minutes to go, so I want okay. to get back to the events of the day, Arts Week. So. Um, Sherry, just uh, again, just mention a few of the things that are coming up, and then I definitely want uh, Monica and Beth to be able to talk about their workshops too
2: real quickly um, next Monday in the school of education 's atrium, the Center for p sixteen research and collaboration they 're bringing in um, the from the Gary schools um, in Gary in Indiana the Bernard watson k through six Boys Academy percussion. Group and they're going to be playing um, over the lunch hour on Monday. They're actually they're arriving Sunday to um, to practice with the percussion department in the Jacobs School of Music. Then they're going to be bringing uh, in Rogers Binford Elementary students for this. Um, so that should be a really wonderful. Um, uh, event as well. I mentioned the Templeton one, the Math in Your Feet, mm-hmm. the Peace Play at Harmony. Uh, that starts, I believe, next Saturday. Uh, all about peace and social mm-hmm. justice, and this is performed by, I think, every student at mm-hmm. Harmony. Uh-huh. So I'm really looking forward to that. We've got art exhibits. Um, Through Bloomington High School South Art Class, we've got the Bloomington Symphony Orchestra, we have the TAG event, which has gotten a lot of promotion by the Herald Times, um, with Edgewood High School students, and that you can see on the Rec Center on Mm -hmm. West 3rd Street, um, which has incorporated math and science symbols. Mm -hmm. So okay. just a taste of what's happening. Oh, That's an
0: uh, outdoor uh, installation. Is. Yes, it okay. is. Well, we're
1: almost out of time. I want to mention Beth's uh, Beth's event, which is, let me see, find it here. It is called?
4: A Day of Writing and Art. A Day of art. Writing
1: and Art. <laughs> ten, 10 o'clock.
4: Yes, so and it's, seven, it's all seven? full. So the workshop's full, but okay. you are welcome to come to the reception at five p.m. Okay. The reading and reception.
1: All right, and that's tomorrow at uh, the lodge in downtown lodge. Bloomington, and then Monica's event, the Jazz Legacy of Indiana, Thursday, February twenty-fourth, six p.m., free, Fairview Elementary School Auditorium.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so I hope you all attend a lot of Arts Week events.
3: It'll be a busy week. <laughs> it's yeah. Be a busy week.
1: But we're out of time. I want to thank uh, Mon- Monica Herzig and Sherry Knight and Schwant as well as Beth lodge Regal for being here with us today. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Dan Goldblatt, and engineer Mike Pashcash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.
3: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at wfiu.org.